Are you tired of the nine to five lifestyle? Do you want more freedom to do what you want, when you want it, without sacrificing your current income? Then this is the show for you. Every week, we dive into John's journey towards financial freedom and everything he has learned since 2014. Real estate investing, cryptocurrency, stocks, private lending, foreign residency, tax saving strategies, infinite banking, assets protection, and much more. Now, here is your host, the founder of the Wealth and Freedom Nexus, John Rickgarn. morning, afternoon, or evening, depending on when you're listening to this. This is your host, John Rickgarn, as always, of the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast. If this is your first time joining us, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And if this is not your first time, welcome back and hope you enjoyed today's show. Now, we've all been impacted a little bit, shall we say, with COVID over the last two years. And I don't know if you want to call it a silver lining per se, but a lot of people have started to venture into the Airbnb world, you know, instead of staying at a hotel where you have crowded elevators and hallways and shared spaces per se, renting a single family home or even a detached townhouse and really kind of having that feel of home away from home. And the business has really taken off, you know, from Airbnb and VRBO and just kind of the short-term rental market as well. And today I wanted to bring on a guest, uh, Tim Hubbard, who is a co-author, podcaster, and runs a very successful short-term rental business to kind of get his input as far as the business, uh, what trends he sees, and how someone could maybe make the leap from long-term rentals to short-term rentals for extra cash flow, shall we say, into their pockets. So uh, with that, Tim Hubbard, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, John. You bet. Now, uh, Tim and I met back in Belize. uh, Obviously, met a lot of people in Belize at the Summit on Sand with Mm -hmm. the uh, real estate guys. I think there was, what did Robert say, like 450 people or something like that in attendance. So unfortunately, I didn't get to talk with all of them, but fortunately, Tim was one of them. Now, uh, Tim's actually got an interesting background. He uh, lives in Colombia, but he is joining us from Brazil and his mm-hmm. short-term rentals are in the U.S. Now, I have one short-term rental down in Tucson, so from Minnesota, Arizona. I thought that was a jaunt, but here we're talking, you know, different hemispheres almost. So, now, uh, Tim, maybe the first question a lot of my listeners are thinking is, how'd you start up or get into short-term rentals to begin with? So, I, I've always enjoyed traveling and I used to, well, I still do. I've stayed in tons and tons of short-term rentals. So it was really from there, you know, when Airbnb started, I used to do like couch surfing way back in the day, like after college. And that was sort of like a version of early Airbnb, you know, where Airbnb was renting someone's room. And so I didn't do a ton of that renting room, but I was renting Airbnbs from a long time ago. And I've been investing in real estate for a while and they just, you know, I guess I just discovered at one point that the long-term rentals I was looking to invest in could also work well as short-term rentals and make a lot more money. So, yep, <laughs> yeah, yeah, making uh, <laughs> making more money that's definitely the name of the game. So, <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, like I mentioned to my listeners, you know, you're obviously in a well completely different continent than when your rentals are. 
So uh, mm-hmm. how how do you manage those, or how do you you know manage them, make them profitable, make sure they run smoothly so mm-hmm. far away? Well, well, I think it's probably not too much different than your property in Tucson, right? You're too far to to go there. So yeah. I don't think the difference between having a property 100 miles away or having a property 5,000 miles away really is that much of a difference. If you're too far to make it there, then you have to find a team and you have to set up some systems and you have to have some things in place to manage it. And that's just what I've done. Okay. Same thing. All right. So, and now how many short-term rentals do you currently have or operate or maybe partner with is a better question. Yeah. um, I think 45. Okay. Uh, still, still adding quite a few each year and exploring new areas and different types of properties and so, all right. Yeah. Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Now with those uh, short-term rentals, I don't know. I think in the overall real estate game, you know, everyone says location, location, location mm-hmm. for the long-term rentals, especially with, you know, work from home becoming more prevalent and, you know, mm-hmm. families and guest rooms. I think the proverbial, you know, three bed, two bath has become more of a four bedroom, two bath is kind of the most in demand for, mm-hmm. you know, a long-term rental. But in the mm-hmm. a short-term rental space, what do you see as like what makes a good short-term rental or what are the uh, amenities or features that most of your you know, travelers or bookers are looking for? Yeah. Well, I guess when I look for a property, I, I still go by the location, location, location thing. Okay. And, I, and I think as an investor, a big piece of that location is a place that more people are moving to, you know, a growing economy, low cost of living and landlord friendliness. I, th- I think those things are all important in the way that I invest in short-term rentals. Cause really I'm looking for a market that works as a long-term okay. uh, rental as well. But after I've found that market, I do emphasize location a little more. Most all my properties are sort of in not downtown areas. They're in midtown areas, essentially. So okay. they're close enough most of the time to walk to restaurants and walk to some entertainment. Okay. So the price point is going to be a little higher for those areas. But with the greatly increased short-term rents, you know, it, it can still work as a long-term rental. Um, and then work really well as a short term rental. Okay. Sounds good. And I'm guessing the walking distance is probably handy, especially in a lot of those areas. Like, Hey, I can just walk to the restaurant versus, you know, I need to hail an Uber or I need to find a parking space or I need to pay $10 for parking before I even get to the restaurant. So it, it depends on the type of guest, I guess, that we're trying to, uh, attract. If it's a long-term stay, then parking's important, right? Because they're probably either going to bring a car or they're mm-hmm. going to rent a car. But if it's someone coming in for two nights or it's more of like a vacation type stay, then parking might not be as important. So it really depends on the type of guests I think you're trying to attract. Okay. Uh, and I think tons of properties can work well with short Uber rides too. It doesn't have to be like right next to it. It doesn't have to be walking, I guess. Okay. Um, but just near, near, okay. near some stuff. Yeah. Okay. Probably similar to like a lot of the hotels where they have an Applebee's right next door or some kind of a downtown center right next. Across yeah. The yeah. So, yeah. okay. Now, Timmy, you and I have kind of touched base on this a little bit already with you know, just from my experience, I have a long-term rental in Birmingham. It's two bed, one bath. It gets mm-hmm. about seven twenty-five, I think, a month. 
Likewise, my condo down in Tucson, obviously more of a tourist area, same, you know, two bed, two bed or bath condo gets about three grand a month, you know, depending on the peak season. So obviously, you know, one pro there is the potential for a lot more, you know, cash flow versus a long-term rental. But in your yeah. experience, what have you seen for maybe additional pros or even cons of short-term rentals versus the traditional long-term rentals? Yeah, good question. So, so I think the income's an obvious one, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've I've acquired properties that anywhere from three to eight times like what the long-term rent was, okay. was doing Con- consistently, consistently. But but I would say some other benefits and maybe some that we have become more obvious after COVID is that if we have a short-term guest in our property compared to a long-term tenant, they don't have a lease for the property. So uh, there are no eviction issues. You know, if we had, like, you know, there was eviction moratoriums, for example, and I, I have long-term rentals as well. And I had properties where people just, you know, weren't paying and there's yeah. all sorts of situations. So you don't really have that. And then when it comes down to the expenses, um, I almost feel like there's less risk with your property in terms of damage. I know that probably sounds crazy because when people (laughs) think short-term rentals are like, ah, someone's going to have a party. Right. But, you know, I've had tenants that lived in one of my units for a year and we maybe didn't inspect the property at all during the year. And at the end of that year, it's like a full redo, you know, and I've had to spend thousands of dollars to have you know, everything from the paint to the flooring redone. But if it's a short-term guest, I mean, usually you're in and out of there a lot more often than than you would be with a long-term tenant. So you don't get these huge expense bills. Okay. Uh, you know, so that's, that's something um, I, I like that, you know, sure. I, I, I like that. Um, so I think those couple things are maybe slightly less obvious or we don't think about them. Okay. But they are benefits to the short term rentals too. Sure. And I'll uh, just do a little plug here too. Uh, you know, Tim also has a podcast that I'd recommend people listening to. And I can't remember which episode it was, but it was a little tip that I thought was just brilliant and I never thought about. But you had mentioned Tim of having like a little, uh, what were they, like a noise detector if it got up above yeah. a certain decibel, you know, if they're, I don't know, a bunch of college kids having a party or something like that you know, obviously you're in Colombia or Brazil or wherever, and you get alerted that the decibels get up to, you know, wherever the threshold is and can kind of put a stop to it right there versus you don't get a call from the police. So, oh yeah, by the way, we had to knock down the door and break up a rave or something like that. Right. Yeah. There's, there's tons of technology to help with those things now. I mean, it really is most people's biggest concern when they're going to start a short-term rental. And so a lot of software companies have facilitated that, you know, so there's Mm -hmm. noise detection monitors that you can put in. Uh, I think a big or an easy one though, is just having an outdoor camera that faces your entry door. And you can see if your property is supposed to only have two guests, if you see 10 guests go in there, then you know <laughs> right away that uh, it's going to be an issue. So yeah, um, I think it's, it's really just gotten kind of easier and easier to manage, manage guests as people have had these concerns and new technologies sprouted up yeah. to help. Yeah. And I, yeah, and I can attest to that too. You know, I have lock that I remotely monitor on my condo and, you know, change the access codes. Right. Um, I even get updates from Xfinity if, you know, like you said, there's two guests there, but I'm getting, you know, 15 alerts that, you know, 
10 different laptops are trying to access the uh, Wi-Fi. Yes, like, yeah. uh, how many laptops yeah. do two people need here? Right. And so yeah, technology does make it make it a lot easier to manage. Just yeah, for my listeners yeah. too, I know we've uh, touched base on this with long-term rentals and I'm just going to put my two cents for a you know, con, if you will, as far as financing or funding goes for it or maybe getting a mortgage. Typically mm-hmm. your mortgage companies, now if you have a long-term lease, one year longer, they can count that lease towards your income to mm-hmm. uh, qualify, get that property. With a short-term lease, obviously less than a year, typically they're going to want to see at least one year of tax returns, senior mm-hmm. schedule lease, seeing the income from that. Again, this is for your standard Freddie and Fannie uh, loan stipulations, mm-hmm. but just something to keep in mind if, you know, hey, I'm going to get this condo, it's going to get 3000 a month. That's 36,000 a year. Hey, I'll easily qualify for this. Just so you know, the bank's going to look at that. It's like, well, this is a short-term rental, not a long-term. We're going to need to see your tax returns for it. So yeah, that's a good point. There, there are definitely things to consider with financing. I would say that five years ago, it was really hard to find a lot of lenders that were open to the idea of short-term mm-hmm. rentals. And so that was one of the reasons that I was buying properties with long-term tenants in them, yep. mainly small multifamily properties, because it was easier to get financing. They had right. long-term tenants and they had the leases. But now, five years later, uh, there's way more financing options for short-term rentals. Yep. Um, I just did three refinances a few weeks ago that were all short-term rentals and they were 30 year loans. Uh, Interest rates were a little higher, but every lender's kind of different. And so the good thing is there's more options now. Right. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, options are there. I mean, there's non-QM and other, you know, financing, you know, some people even just take a HELOC out of their primary residence to Mm -hmm. buy a short-term. I mean, there's definitely several options that you can look at for financing and getting a property. So, right. Now, uh, Tim, in your experience, obviously putting together the, you know, the team to look over your properties or a property manager in place, uh, what would you highlight as like the most important things to look for? And maybe what would be a reasonable uh, property management fee in your mind, since obviously short-term rentals, you know, tend to have a higher property management fee than a long-term rental. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are good questions too. And the management's obviously really, really important. If I was just getting started again, or actually the way I, I got started uh, was having, I, I hired my own housekeeper okay. and had them help with management. So okay. uh, I, I, that was just really upfront with them in the beginning. Like, Hey, is it okay with you? The, you know, especially if you're doing this remotely, your housekeeper is going to know your property a lot better yep. than you do after some time. Uh, they're going to know if some little maintenance things happening. So um, I've done it that way where, and I still do it that way with some properties where I have my yeah. housekeeper just act as a manager. Maybe you pay them a little more to, to occasionally take a guest message or something like that. Okay. Um, so that's one way to do it. Uh, I'll do three options here because there's, there's right. <laughs> lots of different ways to do it. So that's one way you can hire a housekeeper who's professional, has experience with short-term rentals and is willing to help you with some of the management responsibilities. Okay. The, the second way um, you can search for what they call a co-host on Airbnb. Oh. 
And that that's someone that's co-hosting another property. And the great thing with a co-host is that you know they already have everything you need in place. So if they're in the same city where you have your property, they're already connected with housekeepers. Mm-hmm. They very likely have maintenance people and all of that already in place. Now, it okay. depends on how long they've been acting as a co-host. Uh, you can get a good idea of that just by seeing their review count. You know, if they have okay. a thousand reviews, it means they've, they've done a lot of reservations. If they have one, then they're just getting started. But that tends to be a much more economical management cost. Depends okay. on your type of property and uh, the city and all those things. But I've, I tend to see lower costs working with a co-host than okay. hiring just a full-blown professional short-term rental management company. Okay. Uh, and I, I would say the full-blown management company is kind of the third option. Sure. They're going to, you know, you sign a contract, they take over, you don't worry about anything, but of course you pay them more money. Now, right. the good thing is if you're making three, four, five times the amount you were with the long-term right. <laughs> rental, then you can afford to pay extra management costs. So those are kind of the three options that are most common. Okay. And then for each of those, I know you said like the, you know, housekeeper just kind of paying them more as far as like the co-hosting versus the property management, you know, what have you seen for ranges for the, uh, you know, property management fees? And is there, you know, maybe a cutoff that you see of, Hey, once it gets to throw a number out, say 50%, it's not as beneficial for the owner. Whereas, you know, X might be the most prevailing rate at the time. Yeah. Well, I would say before all that, I think it is increasingly more easy to manage these properties ourselves. When okay. I say manage them, I don't mean like handle all the guest messages and all that stuff, but basically just to set up a few software programs that almost do everything for you. Okay. So I think that's easier than it's ever been. And that's what I do with all my properties. Okay. Um, But if you don't want to do any of that, I would say co-host options can probably range from 10 to 15% at a minimum up to, you know, 30%. And it depends on how much they're doing. Um, You know, the the cool thing with co-hosts is maybe you have your own housekeeper already and you just want them to handle messaging. So you've got a fixed fee with your housekeeper and you pay them a small percentage to handle guest messages. Okay. So that that's a lot more flexible than maybe the long-term or the professional management company. And with professional management company, I mean, you could spend anywhere from 20 to 50%. Okay. Uh, It depends on your property type. Most of those higher ranges are going to be for full-blown vacation rentals that are in a vacation rental area. Yeah. And uh, it's a traditional vacation rental area where people been paying those uh, management fees for a long time. Sure. Okay. Well, and like you said, I mean, I, every situation is probably going to be a little different. I mean, yeah, maybe, you know, company X charges 40% and okay, that's a lot higher than a co-host for instance, but if they have the knowledge, the connections or whatever to bump your rent from say 3000 a month to 4,500 a month. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, a 50% increase in my rent. I'm more than happy to pay, you know, a higher management fee. So I think every situation is probably point. a little different. You just got to run your numbers. Good, so good point. But, running the numbers. Yeah. And exp- exploring options and running the numbers. That's, yeah. <laughs> that gives you the best, uh, uh, best avenue to take. Sure. So Tim, is there uh, maybe anything else that I, 
you know, should have asked or maybe like some tips for beginners that are maybe, you know, looking to do a short term rental or maybe what's a good way to, you know, kind of, I don't want to say tiptoe in, but get their feet wet and get the experience they need. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess if someone wanted to, wants to get, I do think it's good if you if you're planning on getting in the industry and doing it for the long run that that you do manage like maybe one rental on your own, maybe uh-huh. only for a couple months, you know, just to kind of see how everything goes. Uh, that's going to be a lot easier if you are actually have stayed in some Airbnbs. Sure, uh, that's always helpful. So maybe that's the best thing to do if you're interested in getting an Airbnb in some area. Go stay in a few Airbnbs there just to see okay. how the process works. Uh, and then in terms of you know the actual property, there's tons of good data available now to see what potential revenue you might make. There's a company called AirDNA.co oh. that just does data statistics on short-term rentals and you can get their data in any city really basically in the world now wow so you run some potential numbers stay in a few airbnbs um if you happen to be in a city where you think it would work well put some furniture in there and try it out (laughs) you know um if you have a guest house or a if you happen to have a guest house that's a good way to to test it out you know furnish it um so Oh, yeah. yeah. L- little by little. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, actually, I heard of that air DNA. Air DNA. I'll have to check that out and then put that in the show notes as well. So now, Tim, as a, maybe a final note, if uh, anyone's interested in learning more about short term rentals, how to get started, you know, what's a good way to you know, reach out to you if you want to maybe mention your podcast and other uh, resources that you have available? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, my podcast is called Short Term Rental Riches. Okay. And you can find it on all the outlets, iTunes, and everything. And um, I also have a website with a bunch of resources like the software that I use. You can see for free and different things like that. And then there's an ebook you can get on there for free too that talks about what I think makes the best property for a short term rental and how to find them. And okay. that website's restmethods.com, R E S T methods.com okay so either way sounds good and again for those uh listening while driving or working out or walking the dog or whatever i'll have all these links in the show notes so you don't need to hit rewind and uh try to find a pen and paper so sounds good well i appreciate your time tim for coming on and you know sharing your uh wisdom with the short-term rental markets and yeah i'm i think i'm in your boat if i can get one property that maybe gets eight times the income of a long-term rental and <laughs> versus uh, eight properties that get one eighth of the rental income. I think that's definitely something maybe we should all look at, or at least have one short-term yeah. rental in our portfolio. <laughs> yeah. Worth, worth exploring. And yeah, it's good to see you again, John. Yeah. Thanks sounds for good. having me on. Always good talking. Sounds good. Thanks for coming on, Tim. Okay. Take care. Thank you for listening. Be sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more updates, check out www.wealthandfreedomnexus.com. Remember, nothing on this show should be considered tax, legal, investment, or professional advice. This show is produced solely for educational and informational purposes. Please consult an appropriate and licensed tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for specific advice for your situation. For distribution or publication rights or media interviews, please contact the host.